Welcome to the Alliance Live podcast, spotlighting emerging issues, examples of good practice and innovation taking place within health and social care in Scotland. Hi and welcome. I'm joined by Gemma Neal, an occupational therapist working in prisons within Ayrshire and Arran as part of NHS in Ayrshire and Arran. Gemma has been invited to talk about the adapted support being provided to staff in the prison through anticipatory care plans setting up staff well-being sessions and rooms plus more so Gemma thanks for joining us uh, could you start us off by telling us a little bit about your role and what it entails yes of course so um, over the last sort of couple of years um, the Scottish Government have provided funding through Action 15 to try and support having more allied health professions and professionals in prison um, so I was really fortunate to get a role in HMP Kamarnock. Um, so it's still a fairly new service. We've only been there for about a year. And generally, occupational therapy in prisons is fairly new. There's maybe about five or six of us across Scotland at the minute. Um, I predominantly work as part of the mental health team. Um, so a fairly traditional OT role, as it would be in a mental health team, supporting people to access purposeful activity, um, helping people... Um, identify their needs when they're liberated because a lot of people don't want to go back to the routine that they maybe had before as well as ensuring that they've got all the necessary life skills that they might need when they're liberated as well. Um, as I said the service is still in the very early stages of development so there's lots more that we can do and I've been really fortunate that actually already um, I've been supported by my line manager to increase my hours from three days to uh, five just as we can so we can really fully explore what the service can do and um, so that's in place for about a year and um, which has been really fortunate because we're, we're getting very busy. Okay, thanks for that and giving people your, your role. Um, so we're here to talk about obviously um, how how your role's changed and been shaped by the outbreak of COVID. So you start by telling me what happened when it became apparent COVID was going to have an impact and how did your role change? Yeah, it all happened really quickly. So one week we were running our clinics as normal and then the next week we, we pretty much had to stop. The, the regime in the prison changed completely just to try and protect those that were in our care. Um, I wasn't sure either at that point in time if I would get to remain in the prison or if I might be pulled out to work in another setting. Um, but what became apparent really quickly was that staffing numbers could potentially become an issue and there was a number of core services that we need to deliver in the prison, such as medication being provided. So I was trained up really quickly quickly to be a competent witness in case we had any sort of nursing um, staff shortages at any point, but we've been really fortunate and we haven't. Um, we also became aware that a lot of the acute settings were starting to set up sort of staff wellbeing sessions and spaces but our staff are unable to leave the prison when they're on shift. So we knew that they wouldn't, we had to build something sort of within the building to help our staff work through what was potentially going to be a really stressful time. Um, I've worked as an OT in mental health for a long time and I knew the project was somewhere that I could really use my skills as an OT and help the team at the same time. So I worked alongside our charge nurses and addictions case workers to create sort of a staff wellbeing space for staff to go and have coffee and chill out and we've got lots of sort of creative activity for people to do in there as well. We've got a gratitude tree on the wall as well that staff can put up on the wall what they're grateful for. And we started providing sort of wellbeing sessions daily at that point that incorporated mindfulness and visualisation and progressive muscular relaxation. 
as well as trying to have stuff that was fun to try and keep morale high. So we had a who's the baby quiz with all the staff baby pictures on the wall and we had to guess who was who. So that that went down really well. Um, and we've been send, I've been sending out sort of weekly emails about how to manage stress and kind of maintain general sort of good well-being during COVID. Um, previously as well, I've worked in a hospice setting. So um, I worked really closely with our general charge nurse to um, see some of our patients really quickly for putting ACPs in place. Um, and actually through that work, I identified other patients that I could potentially support as an occupational therapist as well. I think the big thing for the whole team actually and what we hadn't really anticipated in the very early days of lockdown is just the impact that it was going to have on people's mental health. Um, and I think the, the prison offers a very structured daily routine, a very lots of purposeful activity for people to engage in. But all of that stopped and resulted in, in my patients being in their cells for sort of longer periods of time. And we just saw a massive dropping people's moods, increasing anxiety, because people had lots of time to overthink things. Um, and I think this is where the real need's been for OT in the prison during the pandemic. Um, it had always been my plan to think about in-cell activity, but actually the, the need to look at that came much quicker than I think we had thought. No, that's, that's so interesting. Um, and really reassuring to hear that these kind of um, these solutions have been developed for the the prisoners and um, people living and working in them. Um, Absolutely. And so, personally, what what measures and responses have been put in place to ensure that you could continue to support people uh, in spite of the demands placed on you by COVID in a safe way? So the, both the healthcare and prison senior management have been really supportive in ensuring that we can continue to offer support to patients and staff. Um, so we, we, we got the staff wellbeing space up and running really quickly. The, the, the prison provided us with lots of things for that, lots of packs for creative activity, coffee machines, mats for relaxation. And the room was available then sort of both for prison and health staff in the prison. Um, we've obviously been following the NHS guidance on PPE and patient contact has only happened when it's been absolutely necessary. But again, the prison have provided um, space up in the wing so that we're not having to bring the guys down to healthcare just for infection control purposes. So that's been really good. We've been able to go up and see them and actually engagement is much better if, if you go to them. Um, and they've been really flexible and accommodating. In terms of support for myself, um, I have a line management supervision with a, a lead OT out with the prison. But actually, we also I also do peer supervision with um, two OTs who work in our local forensic community team. And we've just maintained that support um, throughout because if everyone's roles changed. That's great. That's great. Um, yeah. so moving on to the, the next question, what what does a day to day in uh, your life look like, and 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 in your role? Um, so we are now sort of in the very early processes of of remobilising or, or recommencing services. The the word changes depending on where you work. Um, we're doing this really slowly and progressively, just to make sure that both our patients and staff stay safe. Um, we've kind of recently done a review now of the staff wellbeing sessions because we are resuming clinics. People are, are much busier seeing patients again. And actually, people were feeling like their stress levels were 
we're, weren't as high as they were before. So we're, we're now doing that two days a week. So I'm still facilitating those two days a week. But although we've reduced that, we're still encouraging staff to use that self, staff wellbeing space. And we're allowed now to access outdoor space at the prison again. So we're, we're encouraging staff to get outside, go for a walk um, and get do other things. Um, we've had a psychologist join our team during the pandemic. So she's now involved in helping me do that too. And actually what we identified was that there was a real opportunity for us to provide clinical supervision to our mental health nurses. So it's across professional clinical supervision. So we're in the really early stages of setting that up. But I think it's got a real potential to change how we work as a team. Um, I started seeing lots more of the patients that I mentioned who are struggling with the, the change to routine. Um, and this has been really exciting. Um, normally, as OTs, we would use, I think, called the sort of MOHO interest checklist. But that's not really been suitable for just in-cell activity. Um, so I've, I've kind of created my own in-cell activity checklist to work from. And I've worked really closely with our education department to access lots of different materials as well as sourcing things myself. So we've got um, some of my patients involved in creative writing, learning to draw, um, writing letters to family they might not have done before. We've got matchstick modelling and lots more. Um, and actually now some of some of the work roles in the prison and opportunity to go outside and exercise have um, resumed as well. So people can do that in small numbers and that's been really beneficial and helpful to me. Um, I actually, as I said before, I work predominantly as part of the mental health team. A lot of my time, especially over recent weeks, has been spent helping them um, remobilise the service and actually think um, about how we deliver a really good service with slightly less patient contact. So we've, we've introduced sort of triage meetings rather than nurses going up and doing face-to-face. -face. We're discussing that as a senior management team. We've got a new referral form and actually a new referral form also has visuals on it because literacy can be an issue in the prison. And when I commenced my role, we were also really fortunate to get a speech and language therapist. So she, she's helped us... Um, a really great form that now all the guys can use um, and I think actually it's been a really good process for the team and a silver lining of COVID maybe for us I think many of the changes that we've put in place will keep because the process is much better. What's the positive from the opportunities that you've been able to create and make the most out of this really tough situation? Um, yeah. But so what has been some of the kind of main challenges, though, that you've experienced during this time? So the, the number of referrals um, to the Occupational Therapy Service has continued to, to just be as it was before. And I did have a waiting list before COVID as well. And obviously with the reduction in clinics and appointments being offered, the rate that I could see people at is, is slowed down dramatically. The service was also still fairly new, only having been there for a year. So some of the processes and procedures still needed ironing out. Um, the slowdown in clinics has allowed me to spend some time, though, just creating a sort of prioritisation criteria, both for those on my waiting list, but also those on my caseload. And it allowed me to really think about what the service could do. Um, many of the things that I thought weren't a priority pre-COVID turned out to be much more of a priority than I thought. Um, the other challenges is that a lot of assessments that we would do as an occupational therapist, especially an AMPS assessment, if you're an OT, you'll know what that is, that requires face-to-face -face contact and also a significant amount of time as it requires the, the patient to do two daily tasks. 
and it's not been possible to, to, to use that and get that information that the assessment would give me. But again, another silver lining, I've found other ways around about that. So I've been getting in touch with patients' families to gather information and um, working more closely with prison staff um, to get an inf information about how people are, are functioning and managing on the wing. And actually, I think that's resulted in a sort of closer working with the wing staff, but actually a greater understanding of what OT does, because we are we are still new in the prison. You know, it sounds like you're, by through this situation, you've been able to do a lot more kind of cross-working with teams and build yeah. understanding across each other's roles, which, um, I mean, must be, must be really great to be seeing. Um, so what are some of the areas, um, I mean, you spoke of really positive stuff already. So what are some areas of yeah. the role that you can identify as having worked and, and made an impact? I, I keep going back to this this unselectivity. As, a, as occupational therapists across the board in prison, we, we recognised, you know, that this was something that we had to look at. And when we met earlier in the year before all of this, it was very much on our agenda, but not at the top of the agenda. Um, but you can see it's such a simple, simple intervention, but it's so it's been so huge to some of the guys I work with. And it's really just involved a, a sort of activity diary, completing that interest checklist and then giving the, the person something to do, something to keep them busy. For some of our patients who have been more unwell, who have really struggled, I have actually went up and facilitated the activity myself. Um, I think some of the prison staff are, are really confused. I've been up playing dominoes. I've played. I'm learning to play chess with one of our patients just now, uh, playing cards, um, because these patients were really finding it difficult to, to socially interact with anyone. And I think actually, the, the guys have been coming out in sort of very small groups out into the wing, so they might not be seeing people that they're necessarily really friendly with. And being on your own more, you're using your social interaction skills less. So I think it's been really useful for that too. Um, and I think for the guy that I've been playing chess with, it, it's been really great because I think it's gave him a real confidence boost as well as that opportunity for social interaction. I'm, I'm not very good at chess still. It's definitely a work in progress. That's, that's so good to hear. Been able to hear your stories about people. Uh, getting a boost in confidence just from simple things like a game of chess and stuff's amazing to hear. Um, have you had any more kind of overall response from, from the people that you're working with and um, what's been their feedback? Um, yeah, so the staff wellbeing sessions, we, as I said earlier, we reviewed them. So we, we said we did that via SurveyMonkey um, and all the staff were saying that it really helped reduce their stress. It gave them some sort of headspace during busy days. Um, and I think you could see that the fun activities, you could really see the team coming together and it really did boost morale. Everybody was able to have a laugh and lots of fun during sort of a stressful and pressure time because we were all really busy. Um, and the, the, the in-cell activity, the feedback from patients with that has been really good. I think now the patients themselves, I, I preach about it all the time, the benefits that having a sense of purpose and, and daily routine can have. But the patients themselves are saying, actually, we can really see what a difference this makes to our mental health. And they are now proactively seeking other opportunities. So um, one of my patients 
had been engaging in activity I had been given him, but actually he managed to get one of those um, work um, placements that had just resumed and he was really chuffed about that as well. But I think had we not done the work to just explore how beneficial that having activity and keeping busy was, I'm not sure that he would have done that either. So for me, that was that was the best feedback I could get. That's great to hear about having positive outcomes from this. Um, So you've you've actually mentioned before already that you're hoping some of the things that you've came about from uh, stays on once things sort of return to the new normal of whatever that may be. Um, What ways do you think, um, is there other ways do you think things will will keep the same and uh, is there other things that you think might might be different now that you go back? How do you think, what do you think the, the new normal will look like for you? Yeah, the, the in-cell activity will definitely stay at the forefront of what I do. Um, the, the other thing I think is that there's obviously um, some of the guys that are still not engaging in, in purposeful activity. Um, so I'm going to have a look at, at some of the people that are unable to access the work placements going forward through whatever reason, if it's mental health or physical health, I'm, I'm going to have a look at that. I don't think the regime in the prison is going to return to normal for for a long time, so there's still going to be a need for that. Um, I'm beginning to start to see other patients too, so those who are going to be liberated from prison and might have specific needs for support in the community. um, A lot of these patients have cognitive issues and they will need that face-to-face assessment, uh, the AMPS assessment that I was talking about. So in that that way, we need to sort of try and return to, to some kind of normal um, we're really lucky we're going to have a tent anywhere up and running really soon. Um, it's been more difficult to do that in the prison. And actually, lots of people have maybe have read about it. Um, there's been lots of things on Twitter, but lots of the guys are going to have um, access to a phone in their cell. Um, and having that option will be really good for the guys that I've been talking about, where we've maybe introduced new activity, been able to speak to them on the phone and just have a quick chat. And we can send packs of information via prison mail. So actually, that will really increase the number of, number of people that I can support and see, um, which is going to be amazing when it's up and running. So that's us. It's just really a sense of you know what have you what have you learned about your job since uh, working through and uh, coming through this whole situation. Yeah, I think actually the the COVID really allowed me to get back to the roots of occupational therapy. One of the first things you learn at university is how having activity and a sense of purpose really can help promote that good sense of well-being and who we are as a person and, and actually the detrimental impact that loss of that can have. But it's not always something um, as OTs that we put at the forefront of our practice. And I think that's really given me the opportunity. COVID has given me the opportunity to really use my skills as an OT. And, and actually just see how quickly having meaningful activity can have an impact on somebody's mental health. I think I always knew as well that OTs have got very transferable skills. It's something that we see all the time and you've, we've seen it across the board in different areas of practice. And it's been great to have the opportunity to put these to use and support the wider team at a time when it, it was really needed. I think being able to do that has allowed me to become part of the team OT was a new service and and we were kind of in the outskirts of things a little bit before but I think working really closely with the team and being there during a really stressful time has allowed people to actually understand what OT can offer as well as allowing me to gain a better understanding of how the team works and all the processes and things Um, 
and I think that's been really useful. So although it's been stressful, there's definitely, and there's been lots of unknowns, there's been lots to be grateful for and lots of silver linings to COVID as well. Gemma, thank Gemma, you thank so you. much for answering my questions there. I mean, it's been fascinating to hear about the work that's been taking place and um, just wish, wishing you all the best in terms of your uh, continuing role and work within the prisons. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You can find the Alliance Live podcast on all major podcast streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Alliance Live also produce webinars, video interviews and case studies. Watch these by visiting www.alliance-scotland.org.uk forward slash live. To follow along regularly with Alliance Live content, use the hashtag Alliance Live on Twitter.